to the Line to Gain podcast. My name is Jeremy Dixon. Here, as always, with Mike Parker. We're covering week eight of the 2023 NFL season. Uh, this is episode nine of that third season of our podcast. Mike, how you doing, man? Third or fourth week in a row that we're doing this podcast from a Zoom session. Um, we haven't been in the same room or in the in the studio doing this uh, for quite some time over a month. Man, t- life is is tough, <laughs> a lot real busy. Um, but we're using this technology to to help bring these takes to the people. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so yeah, man, I guess we're just gonna get right get right to it here, right? Um, just want to hop into our degenerate corner. Yeah, let's do it. I guess this is, this is ugly, man. I'm. I don't even know why we do these anymore. I don't know how you did, but I, I oh, I was over three, Mike. Kansas City okay. minus seven at Denver. I mean, I don't know. I guess Kansas City says they had an illness going through their their team, which I mean would explain a lot because they looked terrible. Uh, Denver looked pretty good, but I mean Patrick Mahomes turned the ball over I think multiple times. And nearly, you know, nearly with with uh, Denver in the in scoring position anyway. Um, second game I had was the 49ers minus three and a half uh, at, versus Cincinnati at home. Uh, got beat by two touchdowns. That was that was a pretty ugly affair as well. And then I had the Rams plus six and a half at Dallas and Dallas decided to turn into Dallas again. Or I guess maybe decided to turn away from being Dallas. Either way, they beat the dog piss out of uh, the Rams. And uh, I'm sitting here at 0-3 and negative $1,100, Mike, on the season. I might just make one $1,100 bet this week and try to get it all back. <laughs> just kidding. Not doing that. Well, I tried that and it didn't work this week. I think it's probably faster for me to talk about the things that I did hit uh, versus the things that I... Um, didn't. Um, so I had a three game parlay, um, where I had Buffalo's money line. I <clears throat> lost the other two legs. So out, that was plus nine, nine, six, Um, not even close. Um, I got Minnesota's money line correct against green Bay. And I got the over of the San Francisco Cincinnati game. Um, but I did not get the money line there. Uh, lost that one and uh, totally missed the, sh- the uh, Sunday night, Monday night parlay that I did. Uh, both um, teams, both uh, teams that were predicted to win were uh, minus eight and a half favorites on in both of those games. And I, I took the underdog at plus eight and a half in both games and lost. <clears throat> I'm down uh, $319.90 for the year. And I didn't do any bets this week. I am out. Um, like Davy uh, Scatino from The Sopranos, I don't want to risk my uh, sporting uh, my sports uh, my uh, my sports and recreation store. Uh, so I'm not. I'm 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 getting out while the getting is good. I'm out. I had to take a break from this betting. all right man all right i i I bowed out of take corner earlier this year so i'll allow it uh (laughs) i need a break just to reset my mind i hear you 
So do we want to uh, do we want to run through our midseason power rankings first, or do we want to do our game recaps first? I think we should discuss week eight first because that has a bearing on um, our power rankings. So let's get into the games, and then we'll parlay, transition right into our week eight power rankings from there. All right, makes sense, man. Let's let's uh, get into let's it. Ha- hammer through it. Tampa Bay at Buffalo last Thursday night. Um, I have, despite a great day from Josh Allen, Tampa was still in a position to win this game with a Hail Mary. Um, I rewatched that play. Chris Godwin, God, if he just turned around. Um, Golly, man, I was watching. Yeah, potentially watched a different uh, uh, result. I had Mike Evans in fantasy, and he did nothing until that fourth quarter touchdown with two minutes to go. I was like, thank God he at least got, got in the scoreboard, but um yeah that was that was a wild kind of finish but you know the game felt very out of out of reach for Tampa Bay leading up to that and they got that you know Mike Evans almost catches a Hail Mary I mean it was like a 30 yard catch um yeah from Baker Mayfield almost garbage time and, too. and it was time yeah. like whatever and, and I think it was on fourth down if I'm not mistaken uh they were going for it on fourth down from the 30 because they didn't have a choice and then yeah they ended up getting the ball back and, and uh, getting in position to throw a Hail Mary that, that was very close to being caught. But um, yeah, Josh Allen, was, uh, Josh Allen it was fourth and it was fourth and 10 on the Buffalo 24. Okay. That, that was, so you were right with the fourth down. Yeah. So, yeah. And Josh Allen's looking great. 320 yards passing a little over with uh, two TDs and another 40 yards rushing um, and, and a rushing touchdown added on there. I mean, Buffalo's yeah. kind of moving in the right direction, I feel like. Um, I don't know. I think Buffalo should uh, – I, I feel like this game is very troubling for Buffalo. I don't think Tampa Bay is that good. Um, they only beat this team by six points. My spotlight uh, for this game was the Tampa Bay defense. They look old and tired. I know they have a lot of savvy veterans on their team, but they this it, the season's long. The grind is real, and I just feel like they're losing motivation. Um, so I would say I would flip it and go Buffalo should be worried. Uh, I'll have to reevaluate their their schedule or their wins so far, but I'm not sure they have a ton of really solid wins outside of that Miami game. I'll have to, like, take a look. Um, I saw that they, are, uh, they only have one win outside of Buffalo this year as well. I, that was a stat that popped up I saw you today. So Interesting, yeah. Well, my game ball goes to Josh. You did mention him. I felt like he was on the light side of the force this weekend. So he was definitely in that Jedi zone. Um, He completed uh, 78% of his passes on 40 attempts. You mentioned the 324 passing and the two TDs. He also had 41 rushing and a TD. So he kind of did all the things that you want from Josh Josh Allen. I think that pick that he had was like – it was like a deflection and really not on him. So I'll give him a free pass on the turnover. Um, so he had a really good game, um, but I'm, I'm worried about that defense, um, uh, that Buffalo defense. So anyways, we'll see how that goes moving forward. Yeah. All yep. right. Let's uh, keep it moving. What's what do you got next? LA Rams uh, at Dallas. Um you know, Dallas defense dominated this game. Uh, they hold the Rams under 300 yards in total offense. Um, and this obviously helps the Dallas offense maintain. They maintained a 10-minute 
uh, advantage in time of possession. So you have a stop defense holding your opponent under 300 yards, which and then that also allows the uh, Dallas offense to kind of maintain that possession. I think from the beginning, this game was was uh, well, not from the beginning. There was a period of this game around the first quarter uh, leading into the second quarter where Dallas got a pick six, followed directly by uh, a blocked punt for a safety a free kick run back inside the run zone, and then C.D. Lamb's uh, first TD. In less than three minutes, there was a 16-point swing. In that three minutes, that decided that game, and in the and it was a bridge too far for the Rams to come back and win that game. Yeah, yeah, Matt Stafford gets banged up and leaves the game. Um, you know, Brett Rippon comes in. Shout out Brett Rippon, Boise State alum. Uh couldn't get much going, you know, obviously either. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Rams, I think, are crashing quickly back down to earth. Um, you know, Dak Prescott goes for four TDs and 300 yards passing, which is great. Um, they didn't – I was surprised they didn't have bigger ru- rushing numbers being up so big at halftime. that You'd think that they would have just tried to, um, you know, s- speed the game up and, and run the ball and, and – get some time off the clock in the second half there. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it was, just, it was an all around solid performance for Dallas again. And um, yeah, I mean, they're, I think they're climbing back to kind of where we thought they were a few weeks ago before some of these. We'll see. And until they, till they find some, they play somebody and fall again. Well, that, it's I mean, weird. For, the roller coaster of Dallas. Yeah. Well, Maybe this year that. you might be right. Yeah. You yeah. might be right there. All right, my spotlight, just to kind of bullet, go through these bullet points, is Matt Stafford's thumb. Um, without Matt at QB, this team is on a runaway train to Tanksville. So, um, well, th- this team goes where he goes, and if it doesn't work, oof, good luck. To your point, this is not looking good for them. My game ball, I'm going to give it to CeeDee Lamb. He showed some flashes of a wide receiver one today. Um this week he had 158 receiving yards and two TDs. So good job by him. I do have a concern, however, with the Dallas offensive line. It didn't look good. Dak was sacked three times, hit three times, and that running game, as you said, only managed to get 30, uh, 60 yards from their running backs. So it's very odd. Like you expect this team to con- control the line of scrimmage, and they're certainly do that doing that from the defensive end. I do not see that, that same uh, dominance on the offensive side. Yeah, I, I, agree. I agree. All right, let's move on to Minnesota and Green Bay. Minnesota is now 4-1 in their last five games and making a push for that wild card spot. You know, unfortunately, that uh, journey took a big, big hit with Cousins' uh, Achilles tear. He is out for the season. That's a big loss for them. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a shame, man. I really – I don't know that I like – Kirk Cousins much prior to the quarterback show uh the Netflix quarterback show last year but I really do like him now I think he's like seemed he's a he's a likable personality um you know it's it's a shame that he went down because I mean that he he was he was playing well I mean he's been playing well I think all but one game this season regardless and then uh you know his his numbers look good but yeah. early on in that losing streak, there were some key moments, some key mistakes that Kurt had made. And right. he clearly had 
corrected those over this last five games. Yeah. So kudos to him for that. I will say. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, a tough loss though for these guys, man. I mean, I I don't know how they're gonna. I don't know how they're gonna recover from that. I mean, they're not. They they traded for uh, what's their Josh Arizona Dobbs. Josh Dobbs. Um, yesterday or. I think it's a good trade. I think Josh Dobbs. <laughs> Josh Dobbs can hold this together. They got him for um, nothing too. I mean, and that division is yeah. wide open essentially. I mean, I, that Detroit's really good, but. I mean, you could, the NFC is wide open as far yeah. as I'm concerned. I mean, there's no, there's no real dominant teams. Maybe the my, my spotlight for this game is the Minnesota defense. Uh, once a glaring weakness of this team, they have held in this streak, have held opposing offenses to 20 points or less. That includes uh, the high powered offenses of the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. So they're on a, a real tear right now. They're looking good. They're swarming. They're controlling the line of scrimmage. They're blitzing the heck out of everybody. Um, so they're looking really good. Kirk Cousins was looking really good. He did, in fact, in this game as well. Uh, he had 74% completion on 31 passes, 274 yards, two TDs, got the W, uh, pulled that, uh, snapped that Achilles 10, and actually made like a yard gain uh, from where he was standing when he took that back pedal. Um, I will say watching the game, I'm going to put Jordan Addison in the protocol. Um, he suffered what it looked like a concussion on a drop TD pass early in the second quarter. He had basically had three Packers that hit him all at once, just on the other side of the goal line. It took him like three legs and two arms to, to stand up. And he was looked a little wobbly, but he came back in and scored a touchdown later. I mean, we always hear stories about these people, these these players not remembering a particular game or quarter and scoring going off. So there must be some like reflex or something that they have that allows them to continue to compete at a high level, even though their uh, eggs are scrambled. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like just like muscle memory or something, you know. Must be, must be. I always played better at football when I was hungover and not thinking about everything. So we would go out drinking on like a Friday night. I'd get smashed. And then we go out early morning, you know, hit the hit the field Saturday morning. And I just like in a daze running around catching touchdowns. Those days are long gone, however. Perhaps. All right. Atlanta at Tennessee. Interesting game. Um, I love the Euler powder blue throwbacks. Top four for me for throwbacks in, hist in history. I love those uniforms. Uh, also, is Jeffrey Simmons the most underrated D lineman in the NFL? Let's ponder that for a second. We don't have to come up with the answers right now, but I think everybody out there listening, all 14 of them, please look at Jeffrey Simmons' stats. Uh, dude is a beast for that team, uh, holding that defense together single-handedly. He is a monster. Um, to your point about the throwback jerseys, uh, I I don't know, man. Being a Sonics fan, if Oklahoma City wore throwback Sonics jerseys, I would be endlessly offended. Well, I, I am also offended by the fact that when they talk about the history of the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, 
they oh, include time. Seattle history, but they're not supposed to. Right. There was there was a court case, and it was decided that the the Sonics history stays with Seattle and not with the franchise. So yes. that needs to be called out next time. These well, these I don't hacks. think it's yeah, I don't think it's them necessarily. It's ESPN will put that on their bottom line or whatever. Like for you know what I mean? Which sure, sure, but it's wrong. Mind. It's wrong, yeah. guys. Do better. All right, back to this this game. My spotlight here is I was really happy to see Taylor Heineke back. I think he right now is spinning the ball better than Ritter. And now this is based on last season and this game. Um, I think Arthur Smith has another decision at quarterback this year. And here's I think here's what he has to weigh out. Do you continue to develop Ritter or do you play the player that gives you the best chance to win? I think the best chance to win is Heineke. Ritter, I think, is still raw and has potential, and you, you develop him through that. I guess you have to think about what are your chances this year uh, realistically. If you win the NFC South, what are your chances? But we all know teams aren't really realistic about who they are most times. Yeah, that's very true, very true. Um, yeah, I I like that, and they've already announced that he's going to be the starter going forward, uh, at least this coming week. I, I think they may have said it's like a week-to-week decision at this point. I think Ritter's in protocol, that's why. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense then. Um, yeah, and, I, you know, I was impressed with uh, Will Levis. I mean, I, I, I'm assuming, you know, the guy is coming in and um, – you know, nobody has tape on him yet. So there, you know, it's, it's not really that big of a surprise that he had a little bit of success. And I, you know, I mean, I thought the Falcons defense is kind of so, so I guess, but um, I sent you a text at one point and I have Deandre Hopkins and all like uh, both of my fantasy football leagues didn't start him in either one of them. And I was ready to just put my, Whoa. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was pretty upset by that. Oh, uh, what are you going to do, man? One twenty-eight, three touchdowns for him. That's a lot of yeah. points you're leaving on the board there. Yep, yep. That's, Will, that's Will Levis, thirty points, right? Yeah, yeah. Will Levis, yeah. Uh, is, you know, good for him. I mean, he still he was like thirty percent or sixty uh, percent passing, give or take. Um, just nineteen under, for twenty-nine. Yep, nineteen for twenty-nine. But he had those four touchdowns. Uh, three of which went to DeAndre Hopkins and, um, you know, Derek Henry chipped off a hundred yards and uh, yeah, I mean, good, good for them to, uh, that, that was a hell of a way to step up because they did not, they weren't looking good with, with uh, Ryan Tannehill in there. Yeah. Well, that, Will Levis has my game ball, as you can imagine. Uh, they started off the game with this uh, Will Levis. Um, what's the other quarterback? kind of back and forth things that you would see in, in, in college football. Um, so it was really weird, but clearly Levis was the better um, quarterback than Malik Willis. Right. Um, so um, he stayed in uh, 239 yards, four touchdowns. He really had about four or five good throws. Um, not really like statistically good from an accuracy standpoint or a yards perspective. But those four TDs are those throws on those four TDs were really impressive. So yeah. um, it's only it's only downhill from here for him. So good That's luck, Will Levis. 
Absolutely. When defenses start paying attention, who are the, who are they playing next week? My guess is you you start Willis, no, you know for sure. Uh, yeah, not not Willis, but you start uh, Levis. Yeah, so you're uh, going against that Steelers defense. They're going to bait him into some interceptions, and they're going to pound him into the ground. That's what I thought too. That's going to be tough, but yeah, tough second second option, but or second week uh, starting there. But I think you know the, putting him in there against the Falcons probably the right probably the right move give them a soft landing and uh, they're playing tomorrow that'll be interesting i didn't oh, know right, and right. on a short week yeah interesting be, and that might help him though really for the steelers not to have enough time to you know as much time maybe maybe him, but we'll see maybe all right well anyways good job by him and good job by deandre hopkins maybe uh put him into your lineup from time to time all right new orleans at indiana uh, or Indianapolis. I don't know why I keep calling them Indiana. Yeah, yeah, uh, Indiana. <laughs> They're awesome. just, it's, it's one of the weirdest franchises in, in the history of the NFL. Um, we talked about it a lot. This team came in in like 1946 with like the Browns and the 49ers. Then like five years later, they went bankrupt. And then they started like the, the, the Dallas Texans and they went bankrupt and became the Colts. I don't even know what version of the franchise we're at at this point, but man, this franchise has been weird. Anyways, my take on this game, Derek Carr clearly does not want to be hit, which I think is the main reason we see such variability in his games week to week. Uh, play a good defensive front. He looks scared and tentative. Play uh, Indianapolis. He lets it fly. So I don't know if I'm, if I'm, you know, the head of a football team, I, I need some, I need some more consistency in my game. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, you know, he did go for three ten and two touchdowns, no interceptions, but you know, like you mentioned, it's just like, it, it's kind of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with him, um, depending on the defense he's up he, against. He was taking shots downfield. Like he was actually completing some, when he has, when he sits in there and throws the deep ball, it looks very good and he can get it down there. But sometimes it just looks like, what is he throwing at? Right. Um, my, my spotlight this game was in the, uh, the Colts. I think they're still competing. Um, there's no reason that this team should be in games. They're at their, they have their backup quarterback in there. They're piecemealing their defense together. They're um, outside of Jonathan Taylor and maybe Zach Moss at this point. Their their skill positions are lacking, um, but yet they're in these games. They have one more week, in my opinion, with the the best bad team belt. So good job by them, even in the loss. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, good job for Taysom Hill. I, I like Taysom Hill, man. He's he's an interesting story where he, when he comes in for those short yardage, uh, you know, kind of, um, what do you call it, uh, little wildcat formations where yep. he takes the ball. Got in the end zone twice uh, this week with that. And, um, you know, he also catches the ball a little bit out of the backfield. because He, he only had one reception this game, but – he led the team in, in uh, rushing for with nine carries for 63 yards and two touchdowns. So uh, good for him. Pretty efficient. Yeah. yeah. Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor almost gets over a hundred yards this week, which uh, it's nice to see him back. I, I think he's probably the best uh, running back we have, you know, or one of the probably top two or three running backs in, in the game. So uh, I always enjoy watching him run. And then Who's Josh, that? Uh, Jonathan Taylor. Okay. And then Josh Downs, the uh, rookie 
uh, wide receiver out of North Carolina. SB, I know you you mentioned they don't have much as far as skill positions, but he's, he's kinda, shining a bit. He's turning into a, a little bit of a of a bright spot on in their, in their wide receiver room. So good for him. Right on, had, right on. Yeah, he had another. He had seven catches this week. So yeah, he's 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 chipping away at some uh, pretty nice numbers this year so far. So you obviously gave a shout out to Taysom Hill. Probably your game ball. It sounds like mine's yeah. going to be Alvin Kamara. Hands down, the best offensive player uh, the uh, Saints have. 110 all-purpose yards, two touchdowns. And this is the thing that's interesting for him. He seems universally loved and respected by all NFL players. Yeah. I I have never seen another player get so many pats on the helmet or get helped off the floor by an opposing team, uh, uh, an opposing player more than I've seen with him. It, it's it's just the weirdest thing. He They must just love him for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it. All right, there you go. Jacksonville at Pittsburgh. Um, Mitch Trubisky should be selling insurance in North Carolina. I mean, even the Pittsburgh defense couldn't overcome his ineptitude. That's, that's my take of this particular game. What do you got? Um, let me get to my notes. Oh man, this is uh, you know the the wonders of technology uh, are are among us. So why he's getting that for the guys that don't know, today's been a rough day for us both. A lot of stuff going on. We're running out of time to get things done, and we're trying to just get something to go right today and get this um, podcast out because we're trying to do this stuff for you, for the people. Yeah, but we're having a tough time. So bear <laughs> with us. Um, I'm here. I'm here. Uh, right. You know, I really, I really like watching Travis ATN play football was my number one note. Um, Guy had almost 150 yards of total offense in the game and, and a receiving touchdown. Um, 50 and a two point conversion and a two point. You correct. Yes. Um, Big fan. Um, Trevor Lawrence is playing well enough, almost 300 yards passing. He did throw a pick, but his the averages on his passes um, or completions are only 9.1 yards per completion, which is a little low um, for NFL standards. But, I mean, they're getting the job done. They're beating the teams that they should beat and keep it moving. You're six and two. Yeah, I have I have the game ball, obviously, to Travis Etienne for all the reasons that you specified before. My spotlight is the Jacksonville line play. Both offensive and defensive line have been playing very well. Um, you can see that in Etienne's numbers. You can see that in um, the fact that uh, Trevor Lawrence is relatively upright for most of the game. And on the defensive end, there's, they're, they're putting a lot of pressure on these other, other teams. So to hold up against this pittsburgh defense the way that they did in this game is definitely something you can hang your hat on as a defense yeah as an offensive line rather for sure to your point about their offensive line i believe they traded for a guard from um the giants this week as well so uh, shoring that up a bit yeah so yeah i mean that, that like why not like they they should be going for it right now so yeah, they're in a great position, uh, five and two, uh, or six and two rather after this weekend, and uh, they are they're four, four games. The They've won four games. Well, they're four and all on the road as well, which is pretty big. Yeah, I think they're three or four games ahead in their division. 
Um, so unless they just have like a, a an epic slide, um, they should you know get that that division locked up here pretty soon. All right. Anything to add on that Jacksonville Pittsburgh game? No, nope. not a lot else going on, honestly. No. All right. Phil, speaking of a lot going on, it was Philadelphia at Washington. For me, this game was a barn burner. Um, way more offensive, way more of an offensive battle than I would have thought. I would have thought this would have been more defensive line and, you know, running game and with a couple of shots downfield, but this was just like all the shots. Um, Washington's offensive line, um, Sam Howell can play this game if they keep him upright. And he had a big day, almost 400 yards and four TD yards, bro. That's crazy. Against Bonkers the Eagles defense on top of that. Bonkers. And I, and I attribute that to that Washington offensive line. They played out of their minds this game and they gave the team a chance. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, Sam Howell was the story of the game to me. Uh, Jalen Hurts as well, though, you know, goes for almost 320 yards. He has four touchdown passes of his own um, and cuts back on the rush. I, I don't like to see these mobile quarterbacks leading the team in rushing and, um, you know, running the ball 10, 12 times a game like like Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson. I just think it hurts their productivity. I mean, you saw what happened to Lamar Jackson last year. It really ruined Baltimore's season. Uh, so I, I think that was good. And, it, you know, he only actually took off four times um, and and only had six yards on those those uh, four carries. So, uh, you know, good on them. The, the other thing um, in the wake of uh, in the wake of this past weekend's games was the trading deadline on Halloween and Washington um, you know, decided to sell and sell big. So uh, traded both of their their you know, promising young DNs, Montez Sweat and uh, Chase Young. And it's too bad, man. I would like to see them kind of keep it because they're only three and five. I mean, anything can happen the rest of the season. We've seen teams go, you know, turn around the second half. I guess they're in a pretty, pretty damn tough division though. So it's going to be hard for that team to, to get into the realm where they're at the top two of that division and pushing for that seven spot. It's, my game ball for this game, Philly offense, it's hard to pinpoint who was the most important contributor. Uh, you could say Jalen Hurts. There are four different players who scored a TD uh, in this game. Uh, A.J. Brown was a beast again this week. The, uh, the newly signed Julio Jones got in on the fun with a touchdown. Um, I think one of their superpowers last year, and that was they could, depending on the game or who they were playing, they were able to game plan. Um, and kind of beat that other team, uh, attack that weakness of the other team. I think they uh, did did kind of that today, or uh, I mean this weekend, by um, finding different ways to beat uh, the Washington defense. So um, I thought it was a pretty impressive offensive um, game by Philly. I just wish their defense was a little bit more disciplined. They're they're kind of something that makes me apprehensive about picking them to win a Super Bowl. Uh, uh, they're, they're just too up and down with their, with their defense right now. Well, anything past their defensive front. Anyways, uh, anything to add there? Not at all. 
All right, let's move on to Houston at Carolina. Another kind of weak game. It wasn't exactly the battle that we might have expected from the first and second picks in the latest uh, NFL draft. My spotlight goes to C.J. Stroud. Um, probably the first time he's faced some adversity uh, in a while. So I suppose that's good. We'll see how we adjust in the, over the next couple of weeks because there's always that quarterback that comes out of the gate and looks great. And then there's the defense's reaction to what he does. And then he has a couple of bad games. It's how he rebounds uh, or adjusts to those defense, uh, those defenses queuing on those things um, that really kind of makes a player. And I think CJ Stroud is that guy. And I'm excited to see what he looks like over the next few games. I, I agree. I agree. Um, happy for Carolina. They were able to get their first win. Um, you know, Bryce Young looked pretty good. No, no, uh, didn't throw any interceptions this game. Only had the one, uh, the one passing touchdown. Um, or, sorry, I had one passing touchdown. And uh, didn't run a whole lot, which is probably good because that guy's little. So, um but yeah, I mean, it's. I figured Houston was gonna mop these guys up, to be honest with you, and they just couldn't couldn't get it, couldn't get it. And it's funny, man. I think there was six or seven games this week that neither team scored twenty five points. And if you add in, uh, so that's an insane stat. If you add in Detroit, I think it's. Detroit scored 26. They won 26 to 12 or something or 14. So anyway, a lot, not a lot of scoring Insane. this weekend. Not a lot of scoring this week. A lot of bad games. I mean, a lot of bad offensive games. And I don't know that that means that yeah. the defenses were playing really well because I don't know that either of these defenses are very good, but it is what it is, man. So let's they, they were okay this uh, on this day. Um, my game ball goes to Bryce Young simply because he did enough to win. Um, Good job, I guess. Um, not really an impressive by either team. Um, we'll see how it goes. All right, Cleveland at Seattle. Um, I think this will go down as a quality win for Seattle. Uh, really the first since Detroit in week two. Um, they were able to hold up against some adversity, some turnovers. Um, they were helped by some questionable play calls by Kevin uh, Stefanski late in the game, having uh, P.J. Walker throw on fourth down. So those type of decisions um, kind of led to this this game. Um, we had some weird plays in the secondary. Like uh, we had one cornerback that looked like he had caught the interception, but it was ripped away by Njoku uh, for a catch. It just like really weird plays. Um, to me, that should uh, be an interception and down by contact, but I don't I don't know what the refs are doing. Um, my, my spotlight is the quarterback situation in Cleveland, uh, is, is, is really ugly. Um, I'm not sure what's wrong with Watson, but PJ Walker DTR are not the solution. Now I have this comp uh, conspiracy theory, uh, that Cleveland has some dirt on Deshaun that they can use to avoid his guaranteed money. I think they're trying to keep him healthy so that they can execute on this uh, after the season's over. Oh, so, so why they, he can't claim it's an injury, like claim an injury settlement against them or something? Exactamundo. That's interesting, man. That would be interesting. All right. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I think we need to to chime in with a, a YOLO Geno Smith uh, 
segment or something because he seems to do that two or three drives every every game where he just blacks out and doesn't know what the hell he's doing and he's throwing to the wrong person throwing I mean he just he there was like three or four throws it was just like I mean we scored the we scored we were ahead 17-7 scored 17 first quarter points don't score again until the last you know three minutes of the game or whatever it was to and thankfully we won the game because of that but um, I believe I texted you <laughs> in the fourth quarter with about six minutes to go when Cleveland had gotten the ball back and just said, "We're Seattle's not getting the ball back. Cleveland's going to just run it down our throats, and that's going to be that." But ended up uh, Gino getting getting uh, enough done to to win that game for us. So. All right. Yeah, my game ball, uh, Geno Smith, uh, was having a tough couple of weeks uh, in the red zone. Uh, Today he seemed to get his uh, C legs, uh, no pun intended. Um, That last drive, he had a good shot to Noah Fant um, down the sideline. Uh, Really good pass to Jackson Smith and Jigba for his second touchdown of the season. A couple of good throws sprinkled in there. yeah, he does make some bonehead things. We talked about this the other uh, a couple of episodes ago, where Geno Smith. There's there's a thing that uh, that separates a good, a great to elite quarterback from from a good quarterback, and that is the ability to see things like blitzes on your on the weak side, um, to like see the defense coming over, basically to see things that are happening and be able to process and adjust. Sometimes he's a half a second late or doesn't look back at the rusher that's about to light him up. And he, he just isn't seeing the complete field. I think that's what creates the variation in his game. But I'll be damned if he doesn't throw a great ball um, when he is dialed in. So he was dialed in in this game. Um, so good job by him. And he gets my game ball. All right. All right, Casey at Denver. I just wrote down shocked emoji. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Like we said earlier, um, you know, the, the rumor is that the Chiefs had an illness uh, wreaking havoc on the locker room. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes throws two picks. Doesn't look particularly good. Um, good on Denver for, for uh, you know, I mean, they're, they they capitalized on on the Chiefs' mistakes and and took advantage when they could. So, uh, so think about this: you have the flu as, as uh, Patrick Mahomes, right? We know this going into the game. He was a, he was questionable late um, going into this to the kickoff. Then D- Denver's defense come in and just basically lights him up. Got three sacks on him and eleven quarterback hits. He's already like groggy and sore and he's out there just getting hammered. So this was a rough day for him. Uh, it sucks. They haven't been able to get in like a nice groove. Um, they went on the Taylor Swift streak, I guess. And that kind of worked out for them, but slamming down into the earth um, on this flu day. Yeah. Uh, my, my game ball goes to Russell Wilson here. An amazing feat on, on, on Sunday three passing touchdowns on only 19 attempts and 114 yards. I don't know how this is possible. You would think you'd have to get into 200 yards just to get the three touchdown passes. It's, it's almost like they turnovers down in there. In, sure. In 
No, of course, of course. And and that's why it's so important not to turn the ball over in those spaces. But um Absolutely. Yeah, not not a really a lot that uh that you can hang your hat on in this game. Um Russell, three touchdowns. Good job by you, I guess. All right. Anything else to add here? No, I want to get as far away from this game as we can. Okay, let's move on to Baltimore at Arizona. Uh Baltimore is the best team in the AFC. To me, they're like Voltron. All of the parts. Go ahead. I was going to say all of their parts assemble to vanquish their, their foes. No single part of this team is better than the whole. Um, There's a lot of other teams that can't say that. I'm just uh, in awe of this team. Yeah. Their, you know, their defense wasn't supposed to be great this year and they did give up 17 fourth quarter uh, points to the Cardinals, but um they're playing well. I mean, they're, yeah, like they are, they are a team for sure. And so you, you think the Ravens are better than Miami? Yes. You think they're better than Kansas? I, 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 I think they're the best team. Okay. Good. Okay. All right. Do I, do I think Miami has better, a better roster? Yes. Do I think Miami in their best game can, can beat this team? Yes. But when you take out, the when you look at the whole versus the individual parts, I think Baltimore is the best team in the AFC. Yeah. Right. Okay. I I don't know if I'm there, but I'm I I do. It's I a like very Baltimore. it's a very specific take. I know that. I like Baltimore. Um. Yeah. To me, like this is my spotlight. The Baltimore grind, we'll call it. Right. Baltimore puts teams in a pencil sharpener and turns that handle and grounds that pencil down to the eraser throughout the game it's just slow and just pounds you into the ground and hits you on defense and causes turnovers um you know in this game my game ball goes to gus edwards 80 yards and three touchdowns i mean not a lot of not a lot of stats um on this team but they just win they just yeah. win and win and win and i was happy to see lamar jackson not rush a whole lot and he did enough to win the game. Got a touchdown pass, no turnovers. That um, touchdown pass was pretty amazing. He didn't have a lot of yards, but he, he throws it around a defender and hits uh, Mark Andrews on, on a on a rope. Yep, it was it was beautiful, man. And Josh Dobbs played himself. I mean, I get Josh Dobbs is winning. Like, yeah, you played yourself. He he, he played himself into a like a starting quarterback yeah, in on, the league on on, on, on a, multiple teams. On a potential, yeah, and, and like even this year on a potential playoff team. So, um, yeah, let's see. Let's. I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how he performs out there in Minnesota. Yeah, because he he uh, he ran one in and and threw for two, and he did have the two interceptions, which uh, are not great. But um, and he did fumble it once, but he got it back, or somebody got it back on the team. So, uh, yeah, I mean, good for Dobbs. I'm 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 rooting for Minnesota this year. Um, obviously, because I picked them to win the uh, North, but we'll see how that plays out now. Well, your pick is going a lot better than my Green Bay Packers pick, so congratulations on that. Oh, man. All right, Cincinnati at San Francisco. Burrow is back, and CMC tied the most consecutive games with a touchdown record at 17. One more, and he breaks that record, and he goes down in NFL history for the end of time. Um. My spotlight is the San Francisco defense front having a tough time getting pressure um, over these last three, this three game losing streak. So to me, it's almost like, like a, like a domino effect. If, 
their lack of pressure up front exposes their average secondary, which then forces the offense into a position where they have to push more. They're not in front of teams. They're off schedule and having to take some more chances than they probably should with the talent that they have uh, at quarterback. So um, that's why they went out and got chase because they feel if they can win up front. Um, I was listening to Mike Lombardi uh, on the Bill Simmons podcast, and he made a good point. Um, three seconds is a lot harder. Like, what he said, five seconds, everyone's open. Three seconds, no one's open. So that two seconds is what makes the difference between what we would call an amazing defense and a team that's not really successful um, in, in the playoffs or, or late in the season. So I think that's what San Francisco, the equation that San Francisco looking at right now, we got to get that pressure up front to help our, uh, the back end of our defense. So we can, we can start uh, having our team play out front again. Yeah. Right, you. Uh, yeah. Brock Purdy. I mean, he goes for three sixty five, but two interceptions. It, I think he might've, I mean, I don't know if you saw the, from the week before, I believe it was, he tried to do, they tried to do the tush push with him. Um, Was Mm. that against Minnesota maybe? And somebody came flying in and helmet to helmet lit his ass up. Well, he was in product. He was in uh, a protocol. Right. And, but then they brought, yeah. And then they brought him back. And uh, I, I don't know that he was, he should have been playing in this game. He was making some pretty poor decisions and it looked, I think there was like a, a moment where he, uh, it looked like he hit his head on the ground again and kind of brought his hands up to his head, I think. And like, nobody flagged it though. So they, they, they need to get better with this. If they're going to, if they're going to put these concussion protocols in, they need to get better with really monitoring. Cause I mean, just a year ago we had Tua you know, miss what, like seven or eight games because of this, um, because of the concussion stuff when they let him go back in too soon. So something to watch. Um, yeah. That's all you I, know it, me. Another I, shocked emoji for me. I did not see I, that. I, I, I've always been a proponent of first you have to get a quarterback and then you build your team from the inside out. So your offensive and defensive lines are probably the uh, 2A and 2B of the things that are important to you when you start building a team. Um, And it looks like San Francisco is doing that. They have a pretty strong offensive line when they have Trent Williams in there, and they are stacking up that defensive line. So I, I agree with that process, but... I would say in this case, they might need to go to three, which is try to find some depth at wide receiver. I thought they missed an opportunity to go out there and get like a Donovan Peoples-Jones or even a a McCole Hardman, something that that gives them um, uh, a little security when uh, Debo goes down because Ayuk is as good as he is, is not a type of player that's going to be able to pull defenses he doesn't have that gravitational pull that Debo has and they need to find a little bit more depth there so when Debo goes out he misses like three four games a year that that somebody can pop in there and take over and spread the defense out a little bit I think they missed an opportunity this year Um, we'll see if it works for them after they traded for Chase Young early in the day on Halloween 
there was like Twitter was buzzing right before the trade deadline hit that they were in in talks and and far down the road on another deal, but nobody knew who it was for. Um, so maybe it was a, they maybe they were trying to pry a receiver away from somebody. Uh, Devontae Adams, maybe who knows? I guess. Yeah, well, well, you know when they uh, go back and look at um, the life. What's the coach's name? Um, Kyle Shanahan, when they do the biography on him, maybe we'll they'll talk about it. All right. So let's not forget, we talked about all of San Francisco. Cincinnati actually won this game, uh, 31 to 17. Pretty much a blowout. Yeah. Burroughs had three touchdowns, looked like himself in this game. Um, my game ball goes to Joe Mixon. Uh, over 100 um, all-purpose yards and a touchdown. And the reason that this is important is if they can get Joe Mixon at, performing at this level, Pretty consistently, that 70 to 100 yards and a touchdown kind of area, um, they're going to be tough to beat because you can't cheat on those receivers. Uh, you can't overload and put pressure on Burrow all the time because they'll, they'll just kill you with Mixon. I'd like to see him step up and be more consistent game to game. Um, he has games like this probably four or five times a year. Uh, he did really well in this game, and I think that made the difference in large part. I think it just opens up your offense. Absolutely. All right. Let's uh, move on to Chicago at the L.A. Clippers. I think they're the Chargers today because they won. Uh, secret Bajit, man. Uh, he's been burned. Uh, the rest of the league knows how to attack him, it appears. Uh, <laughs> and... Um, the problem is here as well is Chicago couldn't run the ball either. They were kind of like weren't efficient throwing, couldn't run the ball. It's a bad recipe for winning games. If nobody could run the ball in this game, really. Like Chicago. Well, I, I think really Austin Eckler had a decent day um, all up. Oh, absolutely. Um, but it, but his running numbers weren't crazy. I think he had like 30 or 40 yards rushing. Yeah, yeah 29, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the funny thing, Mike, about this game, so Sunday was my birthday and I got a free play on my little betting site that I go to for like a $20 free play uh, that I had to use, you know, like within that day or something. And so I went on, like, I was like, I wonder if this is real. Went through, like read all the fine. You registered your real, your real um, birthday in the Cayman account? You have to, or they're not okay. going to pay you. Yeah, you have to put your bank information, <laughs> all that shit in there. Anyway, well, they'll just uh, they'll just ping it through different IPs throughout the world. Anyway, all right. True. Anyway, they uh, and so I was like, you know, I was like, I think Chicago, like they can keep it within ten points. Like I'm gonna, I'll just go all in on Chicago and try to win this, win this uh bet, you know, and actually get real money out of it. And no, they just stunk the place up. I was so pissed off. I did enjoy the um the uh little before pregame they were showing Tyson Badgett and his father and his father's like the ultimate hype man. He's like a former arm wrestling champion and like bodybuilder from West Virginia and just crazy it it was hilarious, man. His dad he went up and like was hugging his you know, like his dad sitting in the suite uh in LA uh, uh in the end zone there and so he like went up and gave his dad a big hug and everybody's like taking pictures and stuff of him it was pretty funny man so uh did not yeah. a lot else to talk about justin herbert yeah win some games <laughs> yeah exactly uh herbert looked great though man I'm, I'm assuming that's probably who your game ball went to if not uh, maybe austin eckler but uh those two had a hell of a game and um 
you know, the Chargers defense shut shut shit down. Yeah, so I spotlighted Justin Herbert. Uh, he had another efficient day, 78% on 40 attempts. Uh, nearly 300 yards, just two short and three touchdowns. No turnovers, no sacks. Really, really good day. Uh, it's pretty amazing what he's been able to do despite the co- the coaching, the offensive uh, injuries to a lot of his um, um, skill players, questionable defensive decisions, uh, in- instability and in- in defensive play. Uh, my game ball goes to Austin Eckler, kind of his breakout game of this year. He had some injuries for the first three or four games, and it took him an- another couple games to get up to kind of game speed. Um, but he, he looked to do it today, over 130 all-purpose yards and a touchdown. So um, those two – I think he held out too, didn't he, for a better contract? Well, they had the discussion, but but it wasn't he, he – he was injured the entire time. Okay. Wasn't he? Because as soon as they figured that stuff out, he was still out. Yeah, you might be right. Anyways, uh, yeah. he's the one that organized the running back meeting. But I don't – I don't – I didn't hear anything about him holding out like the other guys. Yeah. Um Anyway, so we got Las Vegas at Detroit final game. This was Monday night. Jimmy G is bad. Jeff Goff or Jared Goff, Jeff Goff, we'll call him, uh, is average. And uh, Josh McDaniels is fired. So this was a very interesting game. Yeah, he he's he's pretty poor. Uh, my spotlight is really the Devontae Adams saga. Why the Raiders didn't trade Adams for some some draft picks before the deadline is an absolute mystery to me. This organization is a disaster, uh, but this team, the team itself, not the Raiders, but the team that takes the field um, is still competing. That defense is competing. These guys are trying. They're passionate. I'm not mad at Adams for being frustrated. He got one catch for 11 yards. He's a perennial all-pro. He was going wide, into he was wide open. wide open on two shots, wide open on two shots. Terrible. That th- that throw from the end zone. Well, all you had to do was get get, um, what do they call that? The red line. They, uh, Jimmy G had just had to throw it to the red line, and yeah. same with the the wide open throw where he kept it in bounds, just overthrew him. It, it was crazy. My game ball goes to Jameer Gibbs. Um, MIA the first couple of games injured the next few finally showed up big time over 180 yards in total offense in the TD uh, good job by him um I was a little concerned about like Detroit kind of kept the Raiders around didn't really get some separation in there I'd like to see them beat up some of these teams a little bit more than they are um especially when you have horrible play uh from the other team's quarterback um I just I would really like them to be a little bit more dynamic offensively if I'm gonna uh, believe that these guys are for real. Yeah, I agree. I agree, man. That yeah, that I, I would like them to. Uh, I'd like to see them do better because um, I do like them. I love the coach. I love I love the team. So Amon Ross, St. Brown, I like him. Plus American, so yeah, fun team to watch. So. All right, so you want to move on to our uh, midseason power rankings? Let's do it. All right. Um, I'll, I'm going uh, to let you name all your little divisions or whatever, and then I'll I'll, I'll just follow your, that's, your that That felt very condescending, but I'll let it go. <laughs> it was meant what? to be. I'm just, I'm just giving you <laughs> Why don't we go for the first four? 
All right. Well, we call it. I call it the Mount Rushmore division. Mount Rushmore. All right. All right. All right. So top four. What do you got? All right. I have Eagles, Chiefs, Dolphins, 49ers. Interesting. Okay. I have up three points. I have Philly. Up three, I have Kansas City. Up four, I have Baltimore. And down one, I have Miami. Uh, San Francisco did not make my top four. They're on a three-game losing streak. There's no way they should be up there right now. Um, I thought Miami, again, we've talked about the questions we have with them around toughness. Um, but their offense is so good, and I think their defense is going to get better moving forward because they got some guys healthy. Yeah. Um, it, this is a really tough year for us to pick these, but I think this is the four best teams in the league right now. You know, real a quick side note: when we got when I got to about number fourteen, I was just like, "All these teams fucking suck." And yeah. Go anywhere from fourteen to like twenty six. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's true. All right. It's true. Um, All right, contender contenders division. That's uh, you know, five through seven. All teams that have a chance if everything goes right. Okay. Who you got? Bills, Cowboys, Baltimore, Cincinnati. All right. I got San Francisco down four spots at number five. Buffalo down four spots at number six. Dallas down one spot at number seven. And I have uh, Seattle holding tight at the number eight spot. I think all of these teams have a legitimate shot to get it to make a deep run into the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to say at our three quarter point uh, power rankings, I will do my number up and down. Uh, but I apologize. I did not do that this time. It's fine. We don't, we only, we don't expect that much from you usually. All right. Moving oh, on to the next. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the next division we got next, this is a series of teams that I, we don't think are ready yet um, to be contenders. Uh, I have nine Detroit, no chain. Uh, up 13 points, my greatest gain um, in this particular power ranking, the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, at Jacksonville up seven at 11, and Pittsburgh up seven at the 12 spot. What do you have? Uh, nine, Seattle. Ten, Detroit. Eleven, Jacksonville. Twelve, Minnesota. Wow, giving a, like a lot to Minnesota. All right, cool. Well, I was, I mean, I feel like they're definitely plummeting after this week. So I felt I would throw them a bone right now. And I feel like they're better than the next like 10 teams. So even the way they are. Yeah, I think I might have Pittsburgh a little high, but I'm giving that defense a lot of credit. Um, and if pick and, and Pickett can put together a 200 yard, one touchdown um game at some point i think they win most of those games i'm um, not ready to throw them out yet What's if, up? They get, if they can get Najee harris running and and doing anything that would be you know between him and pickett they could really you know yeah if they, they just need to score probably 24 points a game and they're going to win more often than not so all right um next division uh 13 through 16 are the long shots these are teams that are at the top of the NFL standings um, and have to have so many things going right in order for them to have a chance. I couldn't even think of a team, maybe the like the uh, 2007 Giants would be somebody from this uh, division uh, that won a Super Bowl. So I got at 13, Cleveland up four. Uh, I got Minnesota up 10 spots at 14, Atlanta up five 
at 15 and the Rams. I've dropped them five and I have them at 16. All right. Um, I have Jets at 13. I like the defense. The offense is doing just enough to win games. And they're right there. And if Aaron Rodgers, you know, if he's able to come back, they they showed video of him throwing the ball on the field on Sunday uh, with no boot or anything on, which is pretty crazy. Uh, Cleveland at 14, New Orleans at 16 or 15, and uh, the Chargers at 16. Interesting. All right, cool. So next division, uh, I call it the Seinfeld division. It's basically Seinfeld was even Steven back in the day. These are the teams we expect to be right around that 500 mark. Uh, 17, I got New Orleans up for the Jets, uh, plus seven at 18. Uh, To your point, I do not trust that offense whatsoever. The defense is playing out of their mind. Um, I just think it's untenable for them to expect Zach Wilson to hold it together for another 10 games or so, 10 weeks. Um, I had 19 down six. I have the Los Angeles Chargers um, and then Houston down six uh, at number 20. All right. Um, 17, I have Tennessee. Uh, 18, I have the Atlanta Falcons, uh, 19. I have the Pittsburgh Steelers, which I probably should have had them a little higher. Uh, and 20, I have Tampa Bay. We always have regrets, my man. All right. Uh, the next is the pretenders teams that sometimes look like they can compete, but really can't, uh, at number 21, we have Washington. I got them down six. Down 12 uh, is Tampa Bay at 22. Down 7 is Tennessee at 23. And uh, down two spots at number 24 is the Indianapolis, don't call us Indiana Colts. All right. I have uh, 21. I have the Los Angeles Rams. Um, 22, I have the Houston, uh, almost like Houston Oilers, Houston Texans. Uh, 23, I have the Indianapolis Colts, and 24, I have the Washington Commanders. Right on. All right, so this next division is called Maybe Next Year. These are teams that just really should start figuring out ways to get some draft picks to see what they can come up with um, in the future. At 25, I have New New England. They're up two spots. Green Bay uh, had huge hopes for them this year. I got them down 14. This is the biggest drop of any team um, on my list today at 26. Las Vegas gaining some ground. I think they compete every day, plus two at number 27. And then holding tight at the 28th spot, I have Denver, the Denver Broncos. Um, Our first three in this section were completely identical. New England, Green Bay, Las Vegas. I have the Arizona Cardinals at 28. Should have had them lower. I mean, they're terrible, but I think all these teams down here are terrible. So, uh, yeah, so that's mine. All right. And then the last four, 29 through uh, 32, uh, the division is called reg- uh, relegated. For those of you who like um, football or soccer here, what we call here in America, bottom teams get relegated to a lower lower league uh, because they uh, suck so bad. Those four teams for me are Chicago, up three. They're not as bad as they were before. Uh, Giants holding steady at the thirty spot Arizona down five at 31 and um, Carolina um, down one spot holding uh, at 32, the worst team in the NFL. 
Okay, uh, we agree on that. I have 29 Denver, 30 New York Giants, 31 Chicago, 32 Carolina. Right on. You know, I was surprised to have Arizona that low, um, but they only have two wins. And when you look at the standings, you know, as well as they've played in those games and looked in those games, uh, they look alive. They look like they can compete. Their their record just isn't showing that. They We talked about this before. They fall short at some point in the game, whether that's the third quarter or fourth quarter, and just lose. So you know, they, actually, um, they actually only have one win. I didn't realize that until we were yeah. going through our uh, – Yeah, so I, I think they just have come close to winning like so many times. You're like, oh, well, they've been in so many games. I think the eye test with them makes me feel like they're a better team than some of those other teams I had lower than them. But I'll tell you what, if I want, if I have a team that's that bad, like if I'm a fan and I'm watching them play, they're actually fun to watch and they yeah. give you some hope. Now give those guys some couple of high draft picks. I mean, the problem is it's still the Arizona Cardinals leadership, but there's potential there for you to start building a team. So. Well, and don't they get, um, do they get Houston? They get Houston's pick, right? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, they do. So they're they're gonna have the, so Chicago's gonna have their own pick and Carolina's pick, which is probably gonna be two of the top three or four picks in the draft. And then uh, Arizona gets Houston's pick for that uh, the Will Anderson Jr. trade. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Right on. All right. There's our power rankings for week eight. We'll have another round uh, after week 12 and then another round after that, after uh, week uh, 16 going into week 17 in the playoffs. So that's fun. I always like taking a look at that. Let's look forward to week nine. Um, I don't have any bets, but I do have five teams or five games that I'm interested in. Can I see uh, if for there various are reasons. five games that I have? Because this is the okay. first time I've done five games. So right. I'm assuming two of them, three of them. Let's, let me just start with the first one. Let's start with the first one. You tell me whether you have this too, okay? okay. And we'll just go down the list. Let's All start. right. Casey at Miami. This game is in Germany. Interested? I Yes. Dolphins at Chiefs. Sorry. Uh, I was I had them down differently. So, yeah. Dolphins it, it, at Chiefs. I have that. Yes, absolutely. It, it, isn't it it's Chiefs important. at Dolphins? Am I but, wrong yeah, by that? Whichever way. I might have written it down. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So, my, my so this is a, this is one of those questions about when a team should show up. Miami arrived earlier this week. Uh, Casey's decided to travel on Thursday, so there's one school of thought that that you get there early, you acclimate to the different time, you practice in that time, you get into your rhythm um, and spend a week out there. The other one is like none of that crap matters. Let's just be have our guys sleep in their own beds and do all that kind of other stuff, and we'll get them on a plane a couple of days before the game and get them out there. So we'll see how this works out. So far this year, I think the team that goes out earlier has been victorious, right? Well, yeah, that's true. But the Chiefs also dealing with that illness. It might have been better for them to stay back for a couple of days, um, get rested up. Oh, there might be logic behind the decision. Yeah. No question there. It's just, you know – Who's ready to play, you know, right. at 6 a.m. Pacific time? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a great game, I think. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm waking up early for this one for sure. I'll All be right, watching it, your, yeah. What's your next one? Minnesota at Atlanta. Did not have that one. All right, so I'll go, and then we'll go to the next I'm one. Guessing, um, I'm guessing I have one that uh, that you – well, I know I have now. I, I'm, I can guess the one that I have that you don't. 
So go okay. Ahead. Uh, so I the only reason I want to watch this, I want to see how Josh Dobbs does. I am a fan of the way he's been playing. Um, he kind of got shopped around uh, at the beginning of the season, and he stepped up and did his job. And I, I really want that to continue for him. So I'm interested to see how he plays out there. Yeah. All right. Uh, my next one is Seattle at Baltimore. Yep. Got that. Two top two top ten teams going at it. I mean, I don't know what else you have to say. This should Seattle be a good always game. Plays well in in the Eastern Time Zone too, or when when they have to play early. So I'm, I'm yeah. I think we fare pretty well against other birds as well, don't we? I think so. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, Dallas at Philadelphia. Yep. Of course. This is the first of the two games between the two best teams in the NFC and the NFC East, depending on how you want to look at it. Conference or division, these two teams are at the top of, of both of those um, those categories. Be exciting to see what happens there. And the final game that I wanted to watch, Buffalo at Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati is Cincinnati a contender? We'll see. If they are, this is a must win. So I think it's it's a pretty important game for that. Team and my pick for the Super Bowl. So, what's the other lone team that I that I didn't want to watch that you do? Uh, Chargers at Jets. I want to see how. Interesting. I think it'll be an interesting game. I think Herbert's playing really well right now. I want to see how he can do against that stout uh, New York Jets defense. Um, I think I think the thing for me in those games is the product on the field. Uh, in its totality isn't very good with those two teams. And then you put them together. It doesn't, it doesn't scream a fun game to me, but the storylines that you talk about for sure are, are interesting. Right. Yeah. So those are my ones. I'll run through my bets real quick. Um, I have, I picked Pittsburgh minus two and a half against Tennessee. Like you made the point earlier, uh, Pittsburgh's, I, I don't really like betting Thursday night football games, but um, I just think that that Pittsburgh defense is going to be a lot for Will Levis to process. Uh, so I think that I, I'm feeling good about that one. Um, I did the Kansas City Miami over 50 and a half. I just think that those two teams can light the scoreboard up. Um, and neither one of them have elite defenses. I mean, their defenses are fine, but uh, I think that one can go over. And then I had Cleveland minus eight versus Arizona. And I added this one on after I saw that Arizona traded Josh Dobbs and figured they're pretty much waving the white flag at this point. So. Yeah, pretty much. For my three. Awesome. Well, good luck. Uh, you're on your own this week. I need a breather. I'm looking at these, these minuses and these pluses. And I, and I'm like, I feel like uh, searching for Bobby Fisher with all the numbers flying oh, around crazy. in my head. I, I don't even know. <laughs> all right, man. Your question of the week, what do we got? So, Mike, with all the trades that happened this week, um, you know, Leonard Williams going from New York to Seattle, Chase Young from Washington to San Francisco, I think uh, the surprising one, Montez Sweat from Washington to Chicago. Uh, I'm wondering how do you value, and I hope I can articulate this the way that I want it to come across, how do you value a second round pick or, or even a first round pick um, versus like trading that pick for a player, trading that pick in an upcoming, the upcoming draft for a player that's going to play for you now, but maybe not 
for long into the future. Maybe it's only under contract for a year. All these guys, a lot of these guys that got traded are all free agents after this season. So the second round pick that Seattle's giving Washington, what would you expect to get from that player in the draft? Like, I mean, if you were Seattle keeping that second round pick, like, do you expect to get a starter for a, a five to seven year starter? Do you expect nothing? Do you, I mean, wh- how do you value these draft picks? And even in the first round, like, wh- you know, top 10 is like, where do you consider those guys to, or, you know, I mean, are you expecting like a 10 year career out of a first a top 10 pick, I guess, something like that. Don't think that came across very well, but I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. I think with the rookie salary cap, um, the calculation has changed slightly. I don't know if anyone expects um, to get a 10-year career at anyone anymore. Um, I would think that if you nail a first-round pick and a second-round pick, you have guaranteed four years in those contracts, and you can get those players at a discount if they're overperforming going in their second um, into their second contract. Now, if they are so good elite at their position you sign them for that second contract it, you know obviously you overpay typically to, to to keep them from going into the open market um or there's benefit to actually overpaying uh, a year before that time comes up because you can you know pay escalates over time i think it's hard to evaluate um some of the questions that you ask, it's it's really hard without looking at a specific example to really kind of to to put it out there. I would say if you're giving up a second round um, pick, one that we've discussed, you get a four year guaranteed contract out of them. Um, it would be tough for me to bring in a player uh, that has that it's a, a nominal uh, improvement over what you have on the roster currently. Like maybe a little bit more, maybe they're a little bit better and they do a couple of things better, but you lose them the year after. I think the only time you would do that is if you believe that your team is has a shot to win a Super Bowl in a given year and you have you have determined that that person filling that spot is what's going to get you to that next level. I think the Leonard Williams trade to Seattle is good, regardless of what next year looks like, because he's a very good player and he can shore up one of the weaknesses that we have on defense, uh, run, you know, run stopping, uh, clogging up that middle. And I think that is going to be that improvement that gets Seattle to that next level. Um, The bears pick with Montez sweat made no sense to me. They're not in a position to be, have this guy around they gave up assets in later drafts when they need it so that they can have a guy right now in a season where they're two and five that makes no sense to me um unless they think they can sign him and he's going to be a huge part of of their uh team for the next five to six years or whatever it is um i think generally speaking trades are looked at um by like they they evaluate them as if they're real assets like a house so if i the second a second round pick a house in this neighborhood goes for this amount a second round pick goes for this amount i think that's a, a really a bad way to evaluate these trades for me we we should look at these as more like stock prices 
these evaluations are they're they're trading these players on emotion and without logic, um, without looking at the full picture. Uh, I think sometimes the teams are delu- delusional about what their chances are to succeed in in the playoffs. And like the Bears, for example, I don't know what they're doing. I think all of the factors, the human factors involved in these trades, it, it's the Wild West evaluation, kind of like stock prices. Stock prices is just a, uh, it, it's all about the supply and demand of a particular stock. That's really what drives that, that prices up and down. It has nothing to do with how their capitalization is or the new product that's coming out. By the time it hits the street, the stock price, those things are already embedded in that price. But the trading back and forth is just about um, the supply and demand. And I think that's really what drives valuation in uh, the NFL. It's the supply and demand of a particular position at a particular level for a particular team that thinks that they need that. Does that make sense? Yep, I agree. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I, I like that, that way of thinking. So, all, all right, right. Take, take corner. I have one take, and this is coming from my brother Matt. I just realized when I put that on the note here, we both have brothers named Matt. That's weird. Um, so um, he made this observation, and I haven't, I haven't really looked at like a full, like couple three weeks of tape yet to really um, to validate this. But he had mentioned that these new batch of NFL coaches are way more expressive about what they see game to game, like in game than we've ever seen in the NFL. So you would watch an old coach. Um, let's say, uh, uh, what was the old Cowboys coach? Uh, Tom Landry. Okay. His quarterback throws an interception. It's the same face as when Drew P- Pearson scores a touchdown. And then Brian it's the same. It's a freaking uh, tablet at somebody. Yeah. Or Arthur Smith is looks like he was assassinated. Um, The guys are way more expressive. It's good for for us. It's funny to watch. It's, you know, we could have these like after game reactions. But I wonder, I mean, we're talking about generational differences like, you know, baby boomers versus X versus millennials. We got millennials coaching NFL football teams right now. And I'm not trying to say millennials are dipshit. But what I'm trying to say is there are differences in how they react to the emotion within the game and not as stoic, more animated. And it's just interesting to watch. So I'm excited to now watch some of these coach reactions on the sideline uh, uh, as we as we watch these games. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fun, man. It is. uh, And like in press conferences, too, some of these guys are hilarious, man. Like Mike McDaniel is funny as hell like when you just hear him talking about random stuff so did you um, watch yeah, the clip where he where white mike mcdaniels walked into the podium today and he and he stands up there and goes i know right i'm much bigger in in real life oh because that little kid that yeah that was i didn't see that i didn't see him say that but i didn't see the kid, the kid. oh man i like it it's fun this should be fun too yeah. it's work but you got to have fun and what you're doing right now at work, I'm not ha- having fun in it. I, I want to, you know, <laughs> I want to just take a nap, but he looks like he's having fun. And football's a grind, coaching is a grind. It takes years off your life. 
you might as well have fun while you're doing it. So we'll, we'll see. I'm interested to see. Shout out to Matt, uh, your brother, Matt. Um, you know, I know he, he, uh, agreed with me on my Super Bowl halftime show take, uh, that Prince was the best uh, performance of all time, but, um, that's neither here nor there, Mike. Uh, let's, yeah. Uh, my only, my only take corner was, uh, that usually we have separation in the NFL by this time every year like the the good team. between the teams you're saying yeah like you can tell there's like a couple teams like kansas city's 12 or whatever you know only lost one game and I, and I know philadelphia i guess has only lost one game at this point but it doesn't feel like they're so much better than everybody else the cream rises to the top if you will yeah but this year it seems like only the teams at the bottom are separating themselves from everybody else like they're all like all the like the, the really bad teams are just plummeting to the bottom. There's a ton of teams kind of middle of the road and only one or two, you know, even and nobody's really. I, I mean, like I said, Philadelphia is the only team that record wise is a little bit better than everybody else. But I mean, Seattle's a, a blown game against the Rams from being a half game behind them. So. I don't know, man. It's 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 weird. It feels weird that the Seahawks are the number two team in the NFC, too. Or maybe they're yeah, not. definitely. Yeah, <laughs> they might actually they right. might not be because of the uh, after Detroit won, but I'm not sure. I'll have to check that again. Yeah, uh, we, we should be ahead of Detroit. But I think they're a ha- they played one more game than us. I think they I think they're six and two, and we're five and two. So I think gotcha, gotcha. Okay, percentage. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Second or third, depending on everything. All right, cool. Uh, anything else from Take Corner? No, that was all I had. All right, diversity section. This is where we talk about things not necessarily related to football, uh, stuff in the peripheral, other things that we're doing. Anything You got anything for this section? Uh, so one of mine, I have two things. One of them is football related, so it's not really diversity, but I wanted to get it in anyway. And that I, I was texting with you the other morning, so – I did it again. I felt like you're always laughing at me for watching YouTube while I'm in, like laying in bed or whatever. Uh, I was watching YouTube, fell asleep, woke up at like four o'clock in the morning to the 1999 NFC championship game and it's full, uh, full playing. And it was like two minutes into the game. And I was just blown away, man. Like, I don't think I, I, I kind of, me and you kind of went back and forth on this. And I don't think, I appreciated the Rams and how good they were. Um, like their offense was crazy. And they, in the first half of, I ended up watching until halftime and then turned it off and kind of went back to sleep. But um, Edrin, or uh, not Edrin, I was going to say Edrin James. Uh, Marshall, Marshall Falk was unbelievable, man. And then I saw, I did hear it during that, that, uh, that, St. Louis got him for a second round pick and a fifth round pick that the Seahawks just gave up for Leonard Williams. So I was just like, Leonard Williams better be going to the Hall of Fame, man. But uh, well, we well we we said Indiana didn't value him the yeah. way that the Rams did, and they didn't have the offense, frankly, to 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 utilize him. Right. In my opinion, Marshall Falk is top five running back of all time, in part because of the next level that he brought. It wasn't just about running. Uh, He wasn't a standard like Barry Sanders changed what people thought about what running backs look like top five Uh, Walter Payton just grinding out uh, top five probably uh, Jim Brown top five and then you throw in somebody like Marshall Falk 
lining up as a wide out in the X and the Y, the slot, um, all over so the field. Un the unparalleled vision. He was so fast, man. It was crazy. And uh, it was interesting because St. Louis was ahead 14 to 7, I think, at one point. And it was like about five minutes left in the second quarter. And the time of possession was like 16 minutes or 17 minutes or something like that for uh, Indianapolis and four minutes for St. Louis. Like they had scored two touchdowns in less than four minutes of time of possession. They were, the, the team was just insane. And I, I, I don't know, go back and watch some old NFL football games. They're fun sometimes. Awesome. So do you have, yeah. do you have anything you in got? diversity? I do. I have one, but go ahead. Okay. So the one other thing um, I'm listening to an interview with Rick Neuheisel the other day on a podcast and somebody asks him about the head coach in uh, the university of Arizona named Jed fish. I think that's his name. Uh, it might be Judd Fish. It's anyway, Coach Fish. And he said, Oh, yeah, I used to. He, he's like, They're like, Do you think he's turned that program around because they've been doing really well lately? And he's like, I hope so. You know, I really like him. I, I coached on the same staff with him in Baltimore for a couple of years. And he's like, Really interesting guy. Never played high school football, never played college football, grew up in New Jersey, moved to or uh, went to college at the University of Florida and like, somehow became a student assistant on Steve Spurrier's staff. And um, his college roommate was Howie Roseman, the GM of the Eagles, which is like, it's crazy wow. how these things like line, you know, the stars just align for some people. But the fun, the interesting, the kind of diversity part of this was a funny story he told about Jet, Jet Fish that he, his sophomore year in college at the university of florida all of his buddies are going to like mazatlan or cancun or whatever on spring break well it coincides with the oj simpson trials going on in la so he flies to la because he's like obsessed with this oj simpson trial and for his spring break goes to the courthouse and they're only giving away like a hundred tickets or something um, not giving them away. Sorry, you had to like win a lot. You had to enter a lottery to get into the courtroom to sit in the in the and on the trial. He doesn't get it the first day. He's like, I'm only here for three days. Calls his dad, has him wire him money so he can go buy a suit. The next day, the dream team lawyers get there, hop out of their limos or whatever, and start walking up. He does he sidle up on them? He gets up behind them, walks into the <laughs> walks into the courthouse gets on the elevator with them going up. And he said, Bob Shapiro turned around to him. It's like, who the hell are you? He's like, oh, I'm I'm a court stenographer. Uh, I'm, I'm running late. I just hopped in with you guys. And yeah, rode up, got in the courtroom, talked his way in. And uh, yeah, it just it made me laugh a little bit. So thought that was a good story. What a wonderfully executed offensive play. Exactly. And I guess him and uh, he... He was on New Heisel's staff at UCLA years later, he said, and that him and uh, Robert Shapiro uh, became pretty good friends over that story, I guess. And yeah, it's funny. kind of funny, man. It's Jed with two Ds. Jed, okay. All right. Um, yesterday was Halloween, and like many people, uh, my family likes to watch horror movies and thrillers and such on this day. Um so we watched uh, three movies, actually. One was The Nun 2, 
not not bad. If you like the nun, watch the nun too. Okay, we watched Poltergeist, which was a movie uh, executive produced by Steven Spielberg about a family uh, that is living in a one of those. Um, those housing neighborhoods that they built back in the eighties and nineties, where they all look the same and all the circles and stuff like that. Um, and it gets uh, inhabited by ghosts, poltergeists, if you will. And their youngest daughter gets sucked into the, into kind of their space and to try to help the dead get to where, to the light, if you will. And, it was it was made in like 1982. So and he decided whoever was making the decisions on here, my guess is mostly uh, Steven Spielberg, because the special effects are heavily like look a lot like what Spielberg did later on. Um, he went more like sci fi special effects versus gore on on this one. But there were some things that were like really it's not scary anymore because it's almost like, you know, comedic in a way but they have like an older daughter probably she's still in high school so i'm thinking like 16 17 and she walks out of her house and these dipshits were out there like using a bulldozer to make a pool and stuff and they're cat calling her in the backyard of the house and it just it's so it's like a different universe yeah. that we watch. Like it wasn't even real. And how and the mom watched all this happening and like laughed about it when the when the daughter flipped them off, as opposed to running out there and going, I'm gonna call the police on, on you pedophiles. You need to get off my property now. Yeah, you know, that it's just it yeah. it's bonkers to me how we let stuff like this go. But it was cool to kind of revisit this. Um and, uh, and I would say watch it if you're in the mood for um, something kind of funny, maybe nostalgic if you were a child of the 80s. Um, I also watched something I think called The Killing Ritual or something. It had Morgan Freeman in it. Um, and the the bad guy was, I saw him and I go, is that Vernon fucking Davis? Vernon Davis plays this like guy who, kills people to steal their soul to give it to this rich South African guy. The whole premise is ridiculous and no one can catch this guy. And I, I kind of woke up from a nap and I saw him and I go, oh, fucking Vernon Davis. And I go, the, my, my wife's like, they can't catch him. And I go, they should get a uh, camp chancellor. He can catch him. <laughs> there you go. And, and my wife, and my wife goes like, who's that? Is he yeah. an actor? I was going to say, did you know who that was? <laughs> And I'm like, no, it was a safety for the Seahawks. He just would destroy Vernon Davis every time he got into a field. But it was pretty funny. That was my little anecdote for the day. That's great. All right, man. That's all I had for diversity. Hurting, Hurting goats. goats time. The good. I have uh, new faces and new places in the NBA. Uh, this year has been pretty fun. Um to have all of these different players kind of in different places. It's the first full season with Durant, with the Suns. We got, um, uh, uh, what's that? Damian Lillard's, <laughs> Damian Lillard's on a new team. The point guard uh, that was with Phoenix is now um, with the Warriors. Jesus. Oh, Chris um, Paul. Chris Paul, thank you. Chris Paul uh, out there with the Warriors trying to make that work. Um, Wimbayama looks really good. 
Um, Wembenyamba's uh, Halloween costume coming in as Slenderman. Slenderman. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm really excited to kind of dive into the to the basketball season this year because of that. Um, yeah. It's. I think it's going to be watched, fun. I watched. They the mixed, They essentially put all these players in like uh like some sort of bucket or something and shook it and then kind of dumped it out. Yeah, James James Harden just got traded to uh to the Clippers. I don't know how that's going to work out, but it should be fun. Well, let's skip to my ugly because that's my ugly, the Harden trade. I mean, I have no reason why they made this trade, the Clippers. They they had they had four, is it four? Five, uh, three ball dominant players on that team already. It was weird to then add another ball dominant and they're uh, guard. All free agents after the season too. And yeah, so this is this is a perfect example of of a team thinking that they have being delusional about how good they are and what their chances are to win a title, and then doubling down on that fact. So, anyways, is, uh, is Steve Ballmer the Jerry Jones of the NBA? Um, could be. I'd probably um. I mean, I Mark, he Cuban, made- Mark Cuban then. Okay. Yeah, I know that he hasn't made himself a GM yet or anything, but yeah, it's uh, they have no draft picks either. They've traded all their draft picks and swaps for the next like ten years for all these guys. So, yeah, I think they the next one that they have is uh, two thousand thirty. Yeah, tough man. So, well, what's your anyways? Bad? Get your bad out of the way, and then I'll just go run down mine. NFL refs. Okay. I I I I've uh, used this one before, uh, but they keep earning it week after week. I think we need to start discussing having full-time referees in the NFL. Uh, currently, they're part-time. They come in on weekends and they do this. Um, I think they need to really start having full-time referees. We have a lot of turnover. The old the old guard is left, and we got the young. The old hockey league leaves. The young hockey league comes in. Um, we we need to create a pipeline that trains these guys to kind of execute. And I'm not talking about the actual. Uh, referee, but the other umpires making really questionable calls offsides on a on a on a field goal attempt by the offense or or in the right. neutral zone neutral zone infraction when clearly they weren't in the neutral zone like a bunch of weird stuff going on that I think they that the NFL should really start to address and I hope they're doing it behind the scenes but they've been really bad this year they're, they're actually changing outcomes of games and I think. Vegas is baking that into the spreads. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, hopefully they do. I mean, this has been – I mean, they've been saying they needed to have full-time NFL refs for years and years. I mean, they – I don't understand why they don't. Yeah, it's crazy. It's absolutely insane. Uh, But, yeah, all right, man. Um, My good – I thought you were going to take mine when you said new faces and new places, but my good is the NFL trade deadline. That was a lot of fun the last few days. Uh, leading up to that few teams got a lot better um you know philly got last week got that uh buyered the the safety from tennessee uh san francisco goes out and gets chase young seattle goes out and gets uh lawrence uh or what, what's it, lawrence williams is that what his name is leonard, leonard leonard williams my bad 
um yeah but just you know josh dobbs goes to minnesota like there's a lot of it's, it's fun i i really you know i'm a like we are we've talked about on the show before i'm a huge baseball fan i love the baseball trade deadline for the same reason i love the nba trade trade deadline just fun seeing the rumors and all that stuff heating up so i'm um, glad that the nfl trade deadline that i think that um tuesday there were the second most trades on one day in nfl history or something like that so it was a fun day for sure. Um, the bad, the Michigan Wolverines cheating scandal. Uh, this seemed like a big nothing burger two weeks ago or a week and a half ago when it first broke. But now they're, you know, people are coming out and saying that um, this assistant coach from Minnesota, from Michigan, who obviously was being instructed what to do, he wasn't just doing this as a lone wolf, uh, was out there. Uh, That's actually not what I heard. Are they are they connecting him? Oh, they have him now on video on the Central Michigan side. No, I get it, but oh. but we're not talking about whether he this particular guy did it or not. What we're talking about now is was their intent by Harbaugh and the and the Michigan coaching staff. I mean, have they connected those I, dots I yet? Maybe not yet, but I. I don't know, man. The guy was paying thousands of dollars for tickets and, you know, in prime locations to get, you know, perfect views of the other teams, this, whatever team they were trying to get sideline. There's rumors now that uh, they were giving this information to other teams that were going to be playing teams that they were worried about making the playoff, uh, things like that. So it's it's going a lot deeper than i anticipated i was just like whatever they all probably film each other's uh signals and try to try to uh get an advantage off of they that. they absolutely steal signals absolutely. absolutely whether they do it in game or whether they watch tape they used to exchange film they don't i guess don't do that anymore um but it happens all the time that's why i don't i think it's a non-starter I don't think this guy was actually affiliated with any of this, with any of Michigan officially uh, in that, in that, um, in that regard. I think this guy's rogue. That's my opinion. More stuff's coming out day by day. So we'll see how that uh, breaks down. Um, And then my ugly real quick, Mike, the NFL, I don't know if you heard about this story, NFL threatened to sue the university of Houston who this last week wore Houston Oilers inspired uniforms and it was yeah they they sent them a cease and desist letter yeah and they didn't have like the oil derrick on the side of the helmet or anything it was just the color scheme which i it's like who gives a shit why not not just the color scheme they use the exact same uniform stripes color everything to make it absolutely look like a oiler houston oiler uniform minus the logo and oiler branding Okay, well, I mean, you haven't had the Oilers there. And anyway, it's still- I'm not a huge I'm not a huge proponent of the NFL and their dogs and the weird rules that they put out there. But this is one of the ones where I go. The NFL owns that uniform; they should have a right to defend it. And the the Houston University of Houston Cougars know they're wrong for that one. Oh, we got the company man over here, Mike. Company man, Mike, toting the line for the NFL. Anyway, on a side note to that point, I was watching uh, the Phoenix-San Antonio basketball game last night, NBA game last night, 
and I see a kid sitting in the front row with a green Sonics jersey on. Uh, Kevin Kevin Durant Sonics jersey on sitting right sitting like right front row feet on the court right next to Greg Popovich and but he has the jersey on backwards so it says Durant on the front instead of Seattle or Sonics and so crisscross action I I get you well I texted my brother Brandon I'm like man I was like this little kid sitting next to you know explain what was going on I'm like but the little shit has his jersey on backwards and Brandon said, oh, they probably made him do that or they weren't going to let him sit there. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, his son Ryder went down to the port, uh, to the Rose Garden in Portland for uh, some kind of they got they got rec- their little league team got recognized for basketball. Like I got it. What happened years ago? They made him take his uh, Sonics jersey off before they let him go on the court. So. NBA doesn't want that noise right now. NBA don't want it, bro. They don't want All right. Uh, one more thing. Rest in peace, Bob Knight. He passed away today. Don't oh, know. and um, what was that guy from Friends? Chandler? Chandler, yeah. What's up? Matthew Perry. R.I.P. Matthew Perry. Tough, man. Tough. Man. All right, man. All right, man. Please well. Like, please like, rate, listen, review, all that good stuff. Sorry. Go ahead, Mike. All right. Well, I knew you had a business here, Jeremy. It's my nature. Frog on the scorpion, you know? Besides, if he would have won, I'd be the one crying the blues, right? <laughs>